Hey everyone, welcome to the Sports Psych MDs podcast. This is episode, well, it's not episode number 22. Today we're doing something a little bit differently. We're actually releasing episode number 23 and 24 back to back. We're going to hold off on episode number 22. So 23, 24, those numbers hold significance. Both these episodes are in honor of the late, great Kobe Bryant. This first episode, episode number 23, we're going to be talking about the tragedy, the death of Kobe Bryant his daughter Gianna Bryant, seven other individuals that are gone far too soon. And with this, we're going to talk about the grieving process, what to expect if you yourself or someone you love is grieving. And although this experience, this journey is extremely individualized and personal, we're hoping to provide a blueprint that may give you a better idea of what to expect. And after this podcast, please tune into episode number 24, where we detail Kobe Bryant's life from start to finish and talk about what went in to creating that Mamba mentality. Enjoy. Do you feel me? Do, do you feel me? Do you feel me? Do you feel me? Kobe. Kobe. Ooh, how do we start this one? Man, I have no idea. Um, this is what take like number five. <laughs> yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a tough one. Um, We're going to do something a little different today. We're going to do a uh, yeah. kind of like a night and day podcast or two, two separate episodes, actually. Sunrise and sunset. Yeah. So we're going to, this is episode number 23. Or sunset then sunrise, actually. There you go. Yeah. Um, Episode 23, dedicated to the life and legacy of Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Um, this is Wednesday, January 29th, 2020, just uh, three days after this horrible, tragic announcement was made. Um, yeah. So... In this episode, we're, we're, yeah, we're talking about the tragedy, and we're going to talk about grief in the grieving process. Man, you can, feel, you can feel it in the air. We, as you all know, um, we live here in Los Angeles, California, Kobe's town, and, I mean, you can just feel the energy in the air, the, the grieving that's going on in this city, uh, this city is shattered. There's um, not a single individual that means more to a city than, than Kobe means to Los Angeles. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I've lived here in LA for about six years now. And, um, you know, I, I really, I had no idea the love that LA had for Kobe Bryant before moving out here. But I soon found out, and, you know, when I moved here, it was different. I mean, you know, I come from a sports town, you know, Baltimore area, D.C. area. You know, we, we have our athletes that we love. You know, certainly Ray Lewis is beloved by Baltimore. And, you know, so I know what that type of, of love is, is like, but it, it's a completely different thing out here in L.A. Like Another level. You know, people really... Like they love Kobe as like as a, as if he were a part of like every family out here, 
he wasn't just a household name. You know, think about it. Los Angeles is the bedrock of Hollywood. You know, you have you know every well-known celebrity you can think of. They you don't know, not they, too far away. A lot of competition. A lot of competition. Heart. But Kobe, I'm telling you, I'm telling you guys, if y'all don't, if y'all don't know, like he was number one in the in the hearts and minds of pretty much everybody. I mean, I would just say everybody in LA. It wasn't mm-hmm. just about being a basketball fan. I mean, he was just had that type of presence. And it took me, you know, I, I, I sat down, I had to think about it for a minute, how this type of love, I mean, we had that podcast about fans, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the fanaticism of being a fan. And so, you know, naturally I was curious to know how a city could be, you know, so enthralled by an athlete. And you have to kind of like, live in LA or spend a lot of time in LA and understand the the culture and the dynamics of this town to to fully appreciate what makes a Kobe Bryant for a city like like LA um because there's so many different layers to it right first off LA is a lot of different towns a lot of different cities almost it's in a melting one. pot it's a melt a huge melting pot and what's different, though, about L.A. by comparison to, like, say, like New York, right, you know, comparable size, is that while New York, everything's densely packed, you know, people are pretty closely, you know, bound together. Your neighbors, yeah. Right. And, and, and so that kind of almost, like, forces people to interact. Yeah. There's still you some know, pretty distinct boroughs and neighborhoods. Distinct but. boroughs. But here's the thing you connect when you get to New York and become a, a resident there, right? When you live in New York for a little while, you become a New Yorker, mm-hmm. right? And it, well, that yeah. doesn't really happen in L.A., yeah. right? There's no, I mean, LA, there's not that, like, L.A. love. And like Plus, in New York, you connect based off your love of sports, whether are you Knicks or Nets. Most people are Knicks. Mm-hmm. Knicks. Are you Jets yeah. or Giants? Right. Are you Yankees or Mets? Sports... Kind of go, comes and goes with the wind out here. I no, mean, it's not a big. Yeah, it's not. It's not huge. Yeah, it's not a huge thing out here. But Lakers are huge. The Lakers are Kobe, Kobe, and Kobe, and the Dodgers. Lakers and Kobe. Every once in a while, Dodgers for sure. But I'm but. telling you, like it. The, it's not like you know. People say, "Oh, I mean, you you hear occasionally the term Angelino, but that's not you know really what it is. Like people don't go around saying, "Oh, like you know, I'm an LA." Guy. I mean, that's. It's not has doesn't have the same ring as a New Yorker, mm-hmm. right? And you can have lived in New York for like six months, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm a New Yorker, you know. And so, you know, my point is that it, it's there. There is a a lot about LA that kind of makes you feel isolated when you live here. Um, not connected to your neighbor, the person on the other side of the freeway. Spread out. Everything's kind of everything's very spread out. Um, you know, and people just don't really you know, really connect and, and interact based on proximity, right? It's mostly based on, you know, some sort of connection, like professional connection, professional circles, social circles, like, you know, something else. And so ultimately, there are very few things that really galvanize the city of, of Los Angeles, right? Because you just have a lot of distinct groups out here. Um, Kobe Bryant was that guy. Okay, 
like he was a the you know one of very few galvanizing forces. He was the guy that could bring together the you know the person the from the valley out there, out there and the like people from East LA, South LA, South, LA, South, South LA. Central, uh, East LA, and also you know like hipsters and you know what is Silver it? Lake Echo, Echo Park, Park Silver Lake. And, you know, you go out to, like, the Valley, you know, you go out to Hollywood, West L.A., you know, the beach towns down, South, you know. South Central. South Bay, right? Long Beach. I mean, you go pretty much anywhere in this area, Orange County, right? Oh, yeah. I he, mean, li- he lived in Orange County. He lived down there in Newport. Exactly. Like, I mean, anywhere in virtually Southern California, okay, Kobe Bryant he was the one iconic figure that brought everybody together. Yeah. Right. Well, not only that, he, he was beloved across the entire globe. Mm. He was an international superstar. He was beloved not only in Los Angeles, but across the United States. If you went to any Lakers away game during Kobe's heyday, I would, I would say, especially in the smaller markets like Indianapolis, and I went to a Kobe game when he played the Pacers, Gets get gets upwards to fifty percent of the fans you hear chanting for Kobe. Oh, God, unbelievable! And like you were talking about earlier, you had Ray, Ray Lewis in Maryland. I had Peyton Manning in mm-hmm. Indianapolis and Reggie Miller, um, and people were obsessed mm-hmm. with those guys. Yeah, but that's a small market. That's Indianapolis. Kobe Bryant, everyone in Los Angeles, and people all over the world. Mm-hmm. You you've seen murals pop up in the Philippines the day after his death. You've seen international superstar soccer players, Neymar. You see famous tennis players. Everyone from all every the Super Bowl. People have been talking about it at the Super Bowl like yeah. crazy. All these different athletes kind of modeled their game regardless of the sport based off Kobe Bryant. And so today in episode twenty three, we're gonna. We're going to touch on the tragedy and, and talk about the, the steps of grieving. And then episode 24, the one directly following this, we're going to dive deep into Kobe's life and the Mamba mentality. Arm and I have both lived in Los Angeles now for over five years. And we feel it, you know. Like I've, On the way to the studio from work today, I saw three or four billboards honoring Kobe Bryant and Gianna. Oh, yeah. Listen, this is the greatest sports tragedy the world's ever known. Yeah. Um, you there's, know. there's been things to smaller degrees, like Roberto Clemente, the Pittsburgh oh, yeah. Pirates. Yeah, we talked about that mm-hmm. earlier, yeah. And, and, you know, of course, Len Bias, you know, mm-hmm. the, the standout basketball star from University of Maryland, went on to get drafted by the Boston Celtics, number one, back in the 80s. And at the time, he was considered to be like on almost like, like George level, you know, coming out. Uh, as a prospect, and um, you know, he sadly, so sadly died. Yeah, we've had some tragedies for sure over the years, but this one, uh, you know, really has no equal. No, not uh, not even across all of pop culture. I mean, we've had we've had obviously. I think we were talking a little bit off off mic about Michael Jackson's passing, Prince, Woody Houston, but. Oh, yeah. This this I mean Robin Williams more recently. Yeah. You know, Princess Die. You know, we've we've had some you know, some really tragic and horrific, you know, occurrences. Yeah. Things that kind of just make the world that, kinda yeah, stop. 
Everybody for a stops. Second. Yep. But there were certain themes to some of those stories that, to me, made them feel different. Um, for example, I think about, I mean, I, I loved all of those musicians you mentioned. Like, I really, they were my three favorite musicians in my childhood. And I was always a person that loved music. So they, their deaths were, were just, they were agony for me. But at the same time, I remember this period, you know, for years, um, spanning years, where really they they weren't producing the music that I I loved as a child at the same level, and in in certain cases they were suffering. Man, like you saw Whitney, you know, really kind of suffering for many years, you know, with the addiction and MJ, you know, with his addiction, and and so you know when they passed, as sad as it was, as horrible as it was, it was. Oh man, it was it was almost like you, know, you kind of you know hoped that some way maybe took them out of that that misery, you know, that suffering, suffering that they may yeah. have had. This yeah. one's totally shocking. This is the total opposite, man. Yeah. This is a person that was at the apex. He was at the top. Yeah, he was still uh, destined for greatness off the court, um, partially on the court because him starting up this whole Mamba Academy and empowering young women um to follow their dreams and play basketball and and this was exemplified by you being able to see him coach his his daughter gianna and all the images you see with him and her on the sidelines of WNBA and nba games chopping it up talking strategy and bracing it's really tough to know not only that kobe bryant passed away but we're missing out on, on part of his legacy with his daughter passing away and she had a bright future. It's, it's painful whenever a young child, a 13 year old passes away so tragically with, with so much ahead of them. And obviously there was seven other individuals and two other young girls on the, on the flight that passed away as well. So it's just, it's just tragic. Yeah. And, um, you mentioned the impact that he was having on the advancement of women's basketball globally, you know, and I'll add to that and say, you know, it felt to me like Kobe was reaching this level of prominence where he was becoming the sort of official NBA ambassador, right? Like it almost felt like he was kind of taking the mantle from like the Magic Johnsons of the world. Like the Bill Russells, the Bill Russells of the world. Uh, the Jerry West of the world, right? These legendary players, the kind of the godfathers of basketball. But it seemed like they were positioning him, right, to be the next guy, the next kind of torchbearer as far as those no longer playing, but carrying on the the voice, right, the presence, the mystique. You know, those because those guys are like, like yeah. legends, you oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like and American legend, I would get so hyped just to see Kobe on the sidelines. You see him daffing it up with LeBron, yeah, and all these guys. And I was picturing him in the future being at courtside at every Lakers game, or maybe someday owning a team. Absolutely, just yeah. always being involved in basketball. Yeah. Um, since he's retired, he's been kind of killing it. We're, I guess we'll talk briefly about what he's been doing right now and what kind of future holds before we talk about his whole life story in the next episode. Yeah. But. He won an Academy Award for Best Animated Short. Amazing. He had to create his own children's book, the Wiznard series. We talked a little bit about 
in the career transition episode. And like you said, he's now he's becoming this ambassador for not only NBA, but the, the in a sense, the WNBA yep. Um, yep. with his daughter and, and he's being, being a girl dad. Um, <laughs> it just, he was flawlessly transitioning out of a professional athlete career to something that almost seemed more meaningful and more, more yeah. enriching. Yeah, and, and, and you could tell that, you know, he had really matured as a, as a human being and really felt like he had this calling to now kind of just give back to the world. And, you know, and, and he was mentoring a, a lot of young basketball players, trying to nurture their careers. And, I mean, the... Yeah, he was, he was throwing out those wow. challenges to, like, yeah. Giannis to get the MVP, which he did. Yeah. Um, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, just re- hearing all the stories about all these players that used to play with him, Derek Fisher, Shaquille O'Neal, um, people who coached him and sought him out, Jerry West, talk about Kobe. I don't know if there's been there's a more well-respected player that's ever played any game. No. No, man. I mean... I will always have the highest level of respect and admiration for Kobe Bryant for not just who he was as a man, because he was a great man, but also for what he represented. I mean, he really represented this standard that I can say I myself have always wanted to live by. I mean, it's... It's something I, I certainly have was never able to achieve, you know, on, on that level. But, you know, just that attitude, that that mindset of I'm going to be the best every day. Every day, there's no cutting corners, no, no taking a back seat, never settling, right? Never settling. Win at all costs. Reach your goal at That's all right. costs. And his goal was to win. That's right. And when each retired his his goals became different and but he still had that same mamba mentality where it was achieve my goal at all costs no one's gonna outwork me and what's crazy is and not only was no one gonna outwork him but i mean he really didn't need to work that hard to be great i mean he didn't have to work harder than you to be better than you yeah. he just wanted to do that to let you know that there was no way, like you had no no chance. Um, and that's, I heard someone on a podcast, I was listening to saying that Kobe Bryant had this arrogance about him, but it wasn't rooted in privilege. Not at all. It was deserved because he knew that he earned it by working harder than every single person. He was arrogant because he knew that he put in more work than anyone else that was on the court with him. And... We're going to get into his whole life in that Mamba mentality. We're already talking a little bit about the Mamba mentality um, in episode number 24. We want to hold off until episode number 24, but we'll get there. So listen to that right after you listen to this one. Blessed with talent, but prepared as if he had none. Beautiful, beautiful. It's, yeah, that's a, I'm looking forward to getting to episode 24. We've actually, I've commiserated and, had discussions with almost every single patient I've seen since Monday about this. Um, everyone wants to talk about it. Everyone feels anger, denial, sadness, grief. These are people that are teenagers right now that may have 
nine-year-old I had wanted to talk about Kobe. The whole story, the whole thing. Like, you know how everybody always, you know, wants to kind of give you the, the grass is always greener speech or, you know, it's, the, it's sun, right. the sun comes out tomorrow, <laughs> whatever and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, this is one of those rare situations where it's, it's almost really impossible to see the silver lining. There's just no real silver line. It's just a horrible tragedy. And so this is the kind of thing that really grief is almost inevitable. Yeah. And grief is, is very difficult because it's, it's as unique as you are. Everyone processes it differently. Mm-hmm. Some person, it may take just a few days or weeks to go through a, like a grieving process. Some people may take years. So we're trying to provide, I guess, a general framework on how to identify what might happen or what might occur when you're going through grief, when you're feeling grief, when you're going through that grieving process, and maybe give a little bit of some ideas on how to navigate this process. Because there are identified five stages of grief. There are ways we as psychiatrists try to impart things that we know of through study of psychology and human beings that are helpful to allow you to process grief and get through this process. But it is a process you have to go through. You have to. This one is actually pretty legit. Like the stages of grief, it's something that is extremely relatable. And yeah, I'm I'm just curious to know what our listeners would think the first stage of grief is. Um, well, it's different for everyone. It's different for everybody. This isn't a linear process, and we're going to lay out five stages of grief, but just to, we'll probably re-end at this over and over again. Everyone, people may skip stages. People may start at five and go to three and go to two. It's not linear. It's not linear, but I, I, I really, I'm, I'm really curious to know if, I mean, this could be almost like a, like a little bit of a study here. You know, how many people started with denial. Yeah, I'm interested to see if it resonates with people. Yeah, I mean, how many people started... For for how many of you... If you want to look this up, it's the Kubler-Ross stages of grief. Yeah. And we'll throw it on the uh, Twitter page. How many of you, the the first moment that you found out what happened, experienced a state of shock? Or... Or yeah. how many of you, the first, the moment you learned about what happened, felt numb? Or felt like nothing, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. I was like confused. What? What did you? No. Right. Are you serious? Denial. Yeah. That's exactly what you were going through at that time. And um, it's sort of like a survival instinct. Yeah. Right? Because I mean... It's, it's such a pain. It's just like so much energy, like negative energy to take in all yeah, at once. It's like emotionally getting hit, hit over the head with a hammer. Right. And in order to minimize that, the pain in the moment, you're like, no. You won't accept it. No. Got to reject it. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't deal with that. Come mm-hmm. on. So that often happens initially. And then afterwards, you get angry. So some people get angry. You have a lot of emotions at once, but the, the one, the strongest emotion oftentimes for a lot of people is anger. You don't have to be vulnerable to feel anger. Sometimes, in, depending in some social circles, it's more acceptable than being scared or, or even sad. Yeah. 
For sure. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with fear. You know, having to accept something so disturbing, it's a common reaction to fear, mm-hmm. you know, to be just upset, you know, yeah. and frustrated. And, and when you lose a loved one or someone that you feel kind of been in your life, and when we're talking about Kobe Bryant, we're talking about someone that's, I mean, I was nine years old when he was drafted. I've been a huge sports fan. I, w- I wasn't a fan of Kobe, but he's been in the limelight in so many people's lives. And for a lot of you out there, you may be going through these stages of grief without necessarily knowing Kobe Bryant or having a specific relationship with him, but you feel like you did and you feel like you lost a loved one. Mm-hmm. You feel like you lost someone that you were growing up with or connected with in some way. So, and, and really, this is just another more sophisticated way of kind of discharging that energy, right? Just kind of projecting that right off. It's easier to feel anger than numbness. Yeah, or I nothing. mean, but, you know, because that way you can transfer, maybe you can be like, um, like in this case, man, like, what the hell, what's up with that pilot? Like, what, what was he doing? Like, you know, like, how, how, why was he flying so low? Like, what, what was going on? Trying to find someone to to blame. Yeah. Somewhere to point your anger. You know, but but we say these things and we have these feelings because it's really it's really hard to to tolerate, you know, at this stage. Yeah. And if anyone's lost a loved one, you know, you know, sometimes you, you just you get angry and maybe you, you try you try to find someone to blame or something to blame. And that's a natural part of the grieving process. It really is. And You know, I I think we would be remiss if we didn't make it very clear. This is something that you really do, as as hard as it may be, um, you want to go through this. You want... You have to. You want... Yeah, you have to. So you're not... You may not go through all these stages, though, but you have... If if these stages come, it's best to embrace them. So after anger, you... People often start bargaining trying to do anything to alleviate the pain or, or to have that person back, mm. to have those moments back that you had with that person. So Desperation. Yeah. We get lost in the maze of what ifs. If only the pilot decided, told Kobe that it was too foggy and he didn't, he yeah. didn't feel safe. Yeah. I mean, what did today. they say? The pilot, if he had been like 20 feet was the number I heard from that you know embankment uh, in the hills that he might have actually made it across and we wouldn't even be having yeah, this so conversation. What if he, he just cleared those 20 feet and, or say a loved one dies of, of suicide and, and maybe you question like, what if I only talk to them more? If, or if, what if I only convince them to go see that therapist? You get caught up in this and it, it's, it's closely related to, to guilt. Yeah. So you're kind of yearning and you're, and you're searching for answers during this stage. Um, and then eventually you, your mind kind of comes back to the moment. And that's when the sadness and the, the depression hits. Yeah, because at this point, and you can imagine, the, the predominant feeling is emptiness. Because now you are aware of what you've lost. Yes. Yeah. This is obviously a crucial stage, but it, like all these other stages, necessary. And then from there, the final stage, acceptance. Yeah. And like you said, you have this loss and you have to accept the new reality and realizing that it's a permanent new reality. Yeah. And acceptance doesn't mean being okay. 
with the loss and That's with right. what happened. That's right. Or even liking this new reality, but you have to accept and you have to learn that this is how life's going to be. And ideally, it becomes a new normal, right? You, you know, that, that would be the ideal outcome. Um, so you got to reestablish that normalcy. Yeah. And a lot of times, the best way to do that is reconnect with other people because when you get to that depressive stage you really just want to isolate and you don't want to be around anyone and maybe when you're in that anger stage you're pushing people away so yeah once you kind of know that you're at the end of the, the the grieving process when you've accepted it and maybe you're still sad but you're reconnecting you're trying to get back to that new normal you're going Absolutely. back to work and, and you know what's so important about that too is that that creates the pathway the gateway to finding that meaning that you you know you so desperately are searching for Mm -hmm. right like answering those questions that drove that guilt during the bargaining stage right like you have to it's so important in these moments to find that meaning but in order to do so you have to reconnect Mm-hmm. You have to reconnect. You have to re-engage. That's what a lot, if you've heard anyone talk about the, the loss, everyone's saying, and it sucks that we have to be reminded the importance of the moment and the importance of our relationships through tragedy like this. But regardless, it's a reminder that our time here is temporary and to embrace and to connect with the people we care and love about. That's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And this is a reminder to, Every to do that. moment is precious. Mindfulness. So the pain you feel is unique to you and your relationship to this person who's passed away is also unique. So the emotional processing, the going through these stages is different for everyone and it's acceptable for, for you to take your time and remove any expectation of how you should be kind of performing as you process this grief. Because like I said, for one person, it could take four weeks. For the next person, it could take a year and a half. That's right. And we'll talk a little bit now about some ways where you can help kind of navigate yourself through the process. And it starts with not avoiding. Oh, yeah. You know, and we've talked about this before, you know, the importance of not allowing yourself to be defeated by avoidance because that's what it is you know don't dole the pain and that that's definitely not how kobe would have wanted it right he was all about winning never about defeat he was all about going forward that's right and then completing the goal so don't dole the pain with substances or distractions you got to let the pain out now don't let it out in a way that harms yourself or others but share your thoughts and feelings with people who you think understand and that's kind of what we're doing today we're trying to we're, in a sense, this is what we're doing to... to we're processing. Exactly. So physically, save the things that remind you of this person. And then as you're connecting with people who, who you think understand you, maybe you have to distance yourself from individuals who aren't helpful. If it's a loved one or a friend and they're not being helpful, maybe they're just misguided at the time or impatient, just tell them you'll talk to them again when you're stronger. Yeah, no, that, that, so that's that's good stuff. That's kind of the, that's the first part of it. So, I once heard this expression that really stayed with me. I'll share it with the audience. Life is like a game of chess. 
It's about making your next move your best move. And in this particular process for how to grieve the right way, the next move after preventing avoidance is remembrance. Remembrance. And this is huge. And this is something that is a little counterintuitive because, you know, I I think that so often when we have these types of tragic deaths, we think that mementos and you know items that remind us of the person are just sort of fueling and reinforcing the pain right it's like i can't look at i can't look at it <laughs> i can't look at his picture um i can't look at the tv that's avoidance right you know you want to embrace this yeah you want to think about the whole person and the whole relationship that you had with this individual and when you're thinking about this person, you want to think about the good and the bad. Okay. You don't just want to talk, think about the shiny parts. But what you do want to do when you're trying to remember this person, you highlight those good memories that you want to hold on to. You're ultimately going to remember the things you want to remember, the good parts. But when you're, you're thinking about this person, think about the whole person, the yeah. good and the bad, because yeah. that's what a person is. That's a right. A mix between good and bad. Yin and yang. Uh, surround yourself with positive activities. Yeah, so right? you want to work towards a future. And positive people, okay? Take those steps forward. Examine how having known this person was fulfilling for you, you know, like, you know how they impacted your life. Don't be fake, though, right? Yeah, if you're, if you're not happy, you don't have to fake it. Yeah. And when your happiness is genuine, don't second guess it. So even though you're grieving, you can be distracted with, with your, say, I don't know if you're out there playing basketball right now, you can be distracted with your teammates shooting hoops and laughing and joking around. You can go to dinner with a spouse and, and have a good time. You, and when you feel genuinely happy, be happy, even when, when someone you love and cherish has passed away. If that happiness comes, it's genuine. Don't second guess it. Don't fake it. If just don't put on a mask because you want to actually feel these feelings. So essentially, you don't need permission to take a break from grieving. So everyone probably knows somebody that went through some sort of tragedy and maybe they're out partying and they look like they're having a good time. And you're like, wow, that per- so-and-so's brother just passed away and they look like nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. Everyone processes it differently. And everyone sometimes deserves a break from the grieving process. Time to genuinely be happy, be distracted. Because like we said before, these stages of grief, they all come and go. So just when you think you've accepted it, you might fall back into a little bit of a depression. You might feel that anger again. You might feel some denial and some bargaining. So it's just kind of a slow process forward through it, and it's not, but it's not linear. And part three of Last but not grieve, least. It's my favorite is uh, setting up a memorial, right? Like a shrine. Yeah. Right? Why not? I mean, no, this is like cool. And this actually reminds me, my, my, uh, my grandmother set up a, a shrine, a beautiful like collage in the family's living room of my grandfather when he passed in 2015. And every time I go to the house, I get to, you know, to, to be with him, you know, see the pictures of, of him, you know, at all stages of his life um, and all of his, his accomplishments, you know, That's are kind great. of like, you know, this, it's like this poster board kind of thing just with all this, this array of all these 
pieces of yeah. memories. I'm glad you brought that up because I also have a I have a gold cross that my grandmother got me when I uh, went through confession. Mm. As, as yeah, I grew up in the Catholic Church. Yeah. Yeah, and that's still something I, I have to this day and I cherish. And that's it's kind of like reclaiming is, is a symbol, symbol of her and symbol of her and I's relationship. It's kind of, I, so I have important. that just to kind of honor her. So you decide what, on the best memorial for them. Maybe you set up a, a charity drive. Um, people set up uh, memorial scholarships for individuals who pass away. That happens a lot on college campuses. Yeah. Um, I'm sure in this case... Well, the NBA is for sure going all in on the memorial thing. Yeah. I, I, I'm seeing there's definitely going to be a statue. Well, what right? about like Staples Center the last three days? You got purple oh, and gold beautiful. roses everywhere. Yeah, like people are, public memorial mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, absolutely will go down in history. But this is um, kind of what provides that, that closure, that yeah, acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. can, he continues that attachment, mm-hmm. continues that relationship because you know, as well as I do with, with our own family members that we've had, they live on through us. Oh man. They Forever. continue to <laughs> impact our lives every day and uh, their legacy continues on through us and through all the other individuals they've touched in their lives. And, and for someone like Kobe Bryant, you know, his, his legacy is just going to expand exponentially. I wonder if that's what it is, right? I wonder if that's, you know, where, where you find that meaning, right? Is like understanding and then ultimately putting on display the impact and understanding that these are the, the elements, the pieces of history that was this great person and you know the 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 legacy the collective legacy that will live on into eternity Mm -hmm. right that's the meaning that's the essence is being able to really capture that yeah and i think an individual like like kobe bryant obviously substantial impact that we can visualize on the basketball court by the style of play that we see a lot of these guys who grew up idolizing kobe bryant like like a Paul George, like a DeMar DeRozan, like a Kawhi Leonard, play the game like him and have, are con- going to continue to pass it down to the next generation. So if you get these reverberations that are just trickling down from Kobe Bryant into the next generation, the generation after that, all over the country, all over the world, he's impacted so many people. And like we talked about with the new his new focus on um, young women and, and basketball and, and all these different ventures, for him, it's 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 not difficult for us to set up memorials because there's already tons of memorials already out there that he's already established, mm-hmm. and people are just going to continue that legacy. Yeah, and I, I hope the NBA makes Kobe the the new logo. That would, I'll, I'll sign that petition. Absolutely. I mean, it, it just has to happen. That the, the the moment's right, the time is right, the circumstances are right. I mean, Jerry West loved Kobe Bryant. He discovered Kobe Bryant. He Absolutely. brought him into the league. I know Jerry West is modest and doesn't like to say that he discovered. And he, I mean, technically he didn't. Anyone who got Kobe would have become, you know, a champion. But, I mean, it was his guy. He, he made was, the deal. He, he was one that, of Kobe's mentors. That, 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 you know, magical trade with the Hornets to make it all yeah. happen. So. so we'll get into that in episode 24. So to round out this one, how do you help someone who may be grieving? That's another, sometimes people feel like awkward. I don't like you mentioned before, you want to say those hopeful or uplifting comments. It's, it's going to get better. It's going to be okay. A lot of times 
those can be really invalidating. It's almost as if you don't see their pain when you say things like that. Yeah. So you want to try to avoid rescuing or fixing the issue at that time. Um, and it's okay that you feel inadequate, but don't force it. Just offer that individual who you believe is going through grief, offer them space. Mm-hmm. Let them know you're here if they need you, but offer them space. And, and ultimately, when they're strong enough, they'll most likely reach out. Yeah. And space is great. You know, I think that in the acute phase of this condition of grief, it's critically important. But we have taught our listeners in previous episodes that acute is a, a time-limited term. And we usually think of acute as a function of hours to days. You know, it can also en- encompass weeks depending on the condition. In, the, in, in grief, you know, we're probably talking about up to maybe a year or so, right? Yeah. Is actually, so, so grief is different than most other medical conditions in terms of what we would consider to be a normal well, phase I don't, I, versus, I don't even, this, I wouldn't even call grief a medical condition. Well, yeah, I should it's say just a, a condition. It's, it's, a, it's, right. a, it's a human and That's a good point. Um, process. It's a condition that we recognize in medicine, um, but we don't consider pathological. Right? It's normal. It's normal. It's normal, um, but it, it has symptoms, you know, that are pathological, but it's, it's normal for the situation, the circumstances. It's, it's, a, it's a normal adjustment to an obviously difficult set of circumstances. However... We have to also recognize that because there is a time-limited nature, you know, based on studies, that beyond 12 months, when those same grief symptoms are persisting, we now have to at least consider, right, that there may be something more complicated going on, something that's a little more challenging, right? And I think what you're kind of alluding to is, yeah, if there's something, if it's more complicated, like a more complicated grief, or if there may, there's major depression or anxiety or something else lingering. Exactly. But I would just, because, well, cause some people it takes longer. But that's why I said you have to consider it. Yeah, but I, I also think you have to consider it throughout that year, too, because if it, there's always a threshold, right? That's so, true. No, here's the thing. Um, I think that like with most things, what you should see over time, gradually you see, you know, a little bit of improvement here and there, right? Baby steps forward, okay, but at least moving in the right direction. Yeah. So if right. you're seeing someone like still in the d- denial stage, right. maybe at 12 months, right? It, it might be beyond an acute grief. Maybe it's gone to an a complicated grief where this this bereavement or the Bereavement's kind of the fancy psychological term for the, like the loss of a loved one. It can lead to a complicated grief, which which is different from this natural acute grief. This complicated grief is disabling, and it causes kind of this vicious cycle of ruminating about like the troubling aspects of the of the of the death. You continually are picturing the helicopter crash and different things and you're, and you're av- avoiding the loss and just ex- excessive emotional dysregulation and, and you're, you're unable to function because ultimately functioning is, is, is really... That's the key. ...in distress. Yeah, so, that's the key. I mean, this is not a very precise science, frankly, um, because if someone came to my office and said, you know, Doc, I've, it's been 12 months since my my wife passed or my husband passed and you know, I'm still having crying spells and so forth. 
You know, I I would have to. It, it would it would be tough, a tough call. You know, to, in terms of how I would look at that, um, and I would really have to investigate a lot further. You know, I'd have to ask questions like, "Are you?" getting out of bed in the morning and you kind of keeping the house straight, right? Yeah. Are you still visiting with family and well, friends? You're going you to assess for living your life. You're right? always going to, throughout this process, even before within the 12 months, you're assessing for a major depressive episode. Yeah. So complicated grief and acute grief, you may be depressed, but you're not meeting all the symptoms for major depression. If you meet those symptoms, you get that diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You get that diagnosis of major depression disorder, right. even if it's happening in the setting of yeah. of bereavement or That's grief because right. major depressive episodes happen in 10 to 30 percent of individuals mm-hmm. who have lost a loved one um yeah. 10 to 30 percent of individuals have anxiety disorders there you go. and 10 panic attacks yeah, yeah. and 10 percent of people can have ptsd if if the loved one died in a, in a traumatic fashion that's right yeah and on the other hand it could be more like um yeah no doc um you know, I I picked her picture up from the nightstand and I just, you know, I, I was thinking back to this time 20 years ago when we were on that cruise, you know, and just how much fun we had. And, you know, I just, I started tearing up. But other than that, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm getting up every day, uh, sleeping okay, not great, but, you know, okay. I'm I'm back at work. I just went to visit with my brother the other day. And, you know, when you start hearing things like that, you realize, okay, well, this is probably just still maybe a normal bereavement. And um, these kind of things could continue. I mean, but, you know, again, as you said earlier, everybody everybody grieves a little differently. Yeah. Right? And I think that's the most important thing. To, if One takeaway from this is, you are most likely going to process the death of a loved one differently than than your neighbor or a sibling or a parent or your best friend. It's unique. It's individualized. So um, hopefully this gives you a little bit of a framework on on maybe what to expect, how to get through the process, how to help someone else through the process. And we thought it was an important thing to bring up with this tragedy that's affected so many people in Los Angeles and throughout the world. Like we said, this is kind of a part one of, of two Kobe Bryant-themed podcasts. So I hope you guys stay tuned in the next episode while, when we talk about the mom of mentality and, and his life and all the great things he's done. Gone too soon. Um, hopefully you guys kind of took a little something away, maybe something to help you through this process. And uh, hopefully we can all find meaning from this tragic loss. What's in the stigma? Let's continue the conversation. Mm